Welcome to the Wonder Learn Show. I'm your host, Franz Tapon. In this episode, I have Robert Hahn, who was in last week's episode with his wife, and we talked about Malagasy culture. And then he went to Pakistan this year to check it out. For the first time, he'd never been to a, a Islamic country, and he wanted to see something different. And he has an adventurous spirit. He's been to several countries in Africa. He likes to pursue avalanches and likes to get caught up in them, or at least track them. And this time he's going into Pakistan where he has a pretty wide-ranging journey throughout the whole country. Although I haven't been to Pakistan and I definitely want to go and will go, inshallah as they say, uh, this is a little bit of insight into a place that for many people seems scary. And I love going to scary places, so-called scary places, because once you get there you realize they're not that scary. Anyway, here we go, Robert Hahn about Pakistan. Uh, your adventure, why you want to go there, why Pakistan? Yeah, you know, I, I've traveled a fair amount in Southern Asia and Eastern Asia, uh, but never to an Islamic country. I was intrigued. So in early summer of 2022, I didn't yet have my plans finalized. And, um, you know, the other reason for Pakistan is it's got amazing mountains. Uh, I've, I'd spent some time in the Nepalese and... Himalaya and um, Hindu Kush regions of uh, Northwest India around Ladakh. So it was a natural extension uh, to want to go a little bit further west and see the Karakoram. I'd never seen K2 and that was high on my list, although I, I once had had an opportunity going over a high pass where if the weather had been clear, I would have seen it. Um, and Pakistan has uh, yeah, it, it's a country I knew very little about. What better way to to learn about it than to visit? How much time did you spend there? I spent about 28 days. Okay, and where did you go? I started in Islamabad, went west to Peshawar, all the way within six kilometers, within a few kilometers of the um, Afghan border in, around Khyber Pass. And then I went north to Shitral, uh, visited the, the Kailash Valleys, headed over another uh, pass into the um, region of the, the Karakoram in um, Gilgit, Baltistan, which is famous for the, the higher, hi- highest mountains in the country. Visited uh, Hopper. It was a, basically a five or six day trek that I did in about two or three days to Hopper Lake, the highest lake in, in Pakistan, around 5,000 meters visited some ancient forts from the Muslim expansion era into northern Pakistan around Karimabad. Then I went to Pasar. Pasar has some uh, very long glaciers that that basically make it down pretty close to the highway. Yeah, I visited Nanga Parbat. That was the Nanga Parbat base camp. Um, That's an 8,000 meter mountain that a Reinhold Messner who lost his brother there. I don't know if you know that story. Right. I, I don't know that particular story, but I know it's known as the Killer Mountain. Um, it's claimed a lot of lives. Um, you know, these mountains in the in the Himalayas that receive a lot of snowfall have a lot of avalanches. And that's something you know about. <laughs> something I know about. So I was there during the uh, flooding event in late August of 2022, um, claimed at least 600 lives. I don't know the exact figures. Um, 
probably the numbers are still being calculated, but the result was during that period of time, it was very hard to actually see summits of mountains. So if, if I had a time-lapse camera during the two days, I was going up and down, trying to get a good view of the mountain, uh, maybe I would have seen most of it. Um, but at any given time, I was just seeing little uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, I went uh, into the Astor Valley, which is a really bucolic um, valley. Um, and over Diosai, I believe the second highest large plateau in the world. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure which plateau it it is behind, but it's very popular with um, a burgeoning Pakistani uh, local tourism in industry. So you see a lot of four by fours plying those roads with with local tourists. Um, and I, I took that route to get over to Skardu. Um, and then I went to Huche, uh, which is one of the ends of uh, the Baltoro glacier route that is essentially the the way to uh, visit K2 base camp and um, the highest mountains, some of the highest mountains on the planet. Number one concern that a lot of people have when they hear the word Pakistan is that they think of safety. So tell us about how you reflected on that. I did some serious soul searching. I, I started just scanning the internet. Uh, I actually consulted somebody that you had on the podcast who, who spoke about Pakistan. Do you remember his name? Yeah, it's probably Xavier. Xavier, um, yeah. Yep. He felt that Pakistan was very safe, although I had to temper. He's intrepid. He's intrepid. He, he also mm. believed that Afghanistan was somewhat safe. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. I had he, to, he was the first uh, Western tourist to go to Afghanistan after the Taliban took over. And yeah, he is definitely on the intrepid side. But at the same time, I, I kind of, my instincts tell me that Pakistan is far safer than anybody imagines. I think what tipped me over the the proverbial edge in terms of thinking that it was a safe place for me to visit uh, was a, a female travel blogger who uh, had been there many times and really outlined her, her perspective on it, which was that it, it was very safe, that the police really want to try to keep foreigners safe. Uh, they don't want to have any any problems with foreign governments. And I think, um, and, the, and that just the generosity that the local population has and an overwhelming belief um, from my experience traveling internationally uh, that people the planet over are generally good people and particularly I've had some very positive experiences in Africa where I've encountered um, Muslims uh, the generosity that I've experienced has been um, next level so uh, I think that's what tipped me over the edge. I had some misgivings uh, when I had to essentially um, send money to a random person to get a le letter of invitation to the country just to get a visa. The government doesn't make it easy for U.S. citizens to obtain a visa. But probably other countries are a little bit less onerous. I would think so. Um, it, it's a little unclear, uh, but yeah, certainly if you're a Chinese citizen, it's very easy to go to, to Pakistan. Did you do the Pakistanis talk a lot about India at all? I know there's some rivalry there, to say the least. Yeah, I was advised on several occasions not to mention that I'd traveled to India, although I, that was about two weeks into my travel. So, you know, I'd, I'd often start comparing things that I'd found similar or different to India, but it, 
I learned that that was not a good idea if you tell it to the wrong person. You're you're greeted in Islamabad with um, some big, big propaganda um, related to Kashmir. Um, uh, that was that was the most um, sort of headline messaging that I uh, about the mistreatment of uh, of Muslims in in Kashmir, uh, according to the propaganda. In, in general, there's somewhat of an understanding among a lot of people that India is, is used as a political punching bag by by governments and vice versa. So, you know, if the ruling power is concerned about their re-election prospects, they'll they'll start pointing fingers at India and vice versa. First, I found it quite surprising because, you know, people are quite similar with within the sub subcontinent for the for the most part. They're um, their ethnic makeup is is similar, although actually, if you get into northwestern Pakistan, you you start finding some uh, Aryan people, um, people who are lighter skinned and even more blonde and blue eyed than I am. I'm not blonde or blue eyed actually, but you have blue eyes, uh, yeah, hazel. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, there there were people that really resembled people you'd find in Scandinavia or mm-hmm. um, or Western Europe or, or the United States. And as a result, people would actually mistake me for... Um, it was the first developing country that I'd traveled in where I was actually mistaken for a local That's funny. on multiple occasions. And you were not dressing like a local? Uh, no, I, I wasn't dressing like a local. Um, I wasn't wearing um, a shawar kameez, although I considered it. Um, Shalwar kameez is effectively a, a robe-like garment that, that's worn by males. Right. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Now, Kashmir, can you visit it? I had to pare down my itinerary for my visa um, relative to what I, what I actually did. You added a 30-day visa? Yes. Uh, I, I decided not to mention that I was going to go to Shitral. Um, I, I said I was going to Islamabad, um, Gilgit, Baltistan, and Lahore the cultural capital. Of... Did anybody care that you didn't, that you went beyond that? Well, I, I ended up, um, getting arraigned by police officers near, um, the Afghan border, uh, when I, uh, announced my intention to, to do some hiking in the Tirishmir area. They said it was too close to the Afghan border. And the fact that I was by myself and there Recently, been a Taliban raid, or sorry, a, a U.S. government raid on a Taliban leader in Kabul that um, uh, had stoked tension um, potentially and and resentment towards um, U.S. citizens in particular. So, uh, I, I did run into some restrictions on my ability to hike in Shitral. Shitral is um, listed as a high level of of risk to to foreign travelers. Um, and so that was frustrating. I, I ended up, uh, not doing everything I wanted to do in that region, but the Kalash, um, valleys, um, made up for that. It was, it was the most incredible, uh, experience that I had in the country. Um, it's an enclave where there are three or four valleys and the, the local population is very, um, very different from the overwhelmingly Islamic population. Uh, they're believed to have descended from Alexander the Great, although that's not 
certain. Um, but they're Aryan. Um, they drink alcohol. They uh, they dance. They're not Muslims. They're not Muslims. Um, what do they believe in? It's more animist. Um, I, so they're not Christians either. They're not Christians either. Mm-hmm. They they're much more open than Islam. They Are they also, seen as infidels by the Muslims? Absolutely. Um, but there's not a civil war amongst them. No, they're they they're not threatening to Muslims, but Muslim hardliners um, promote their more promiscuous ways. Perhaps um, you know, from a from a Western perspective, we wouldn't see them as as such. But from you know, hardline and um, conservative Islamic perspectives, they're um, they're essentially the 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 majority. Well, they're they're one of the easy targets. Uh, what surprised you about Pakistan? The thing that really surprised me is just how much less I was hassled than in India. Um, in India, I traveled uh, extensively in two thousand nine and uh, some in two thousand ten as well. Um, I was hassled nonstop by people in Pakistan. People leave you alone um, as a as a general rule. Um, the The biggest challenge I had was ordering a, an Uber when I arrived at the airport because I didn't understand that nobody accepts a credit card and that they didn't have a way to get get paid when they accepted my Uber ticket because it was linked to a credit card and they didn't have a way to get that deposited. And that confusion cost me over an hour and a half at the airport trying to figure this out and trying to figure out where these Uber drivers were and what was going on. Wait a second, because when I was in Egypt, for example, there was Uber, but you just pay cash. I don't understand. I have. I didn't have any cash. And oh, okay. The ATM okay. was broken. Oh, I so see. And there was no money exchange place. I eventually found a money exchange okay, okay. place and 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 was able to go that route. What advice would you give somebody who's traveling to Pakistan to go? I, <laughs> I think I think it's it's an amazing country. Actually, most times of the year are probably a good 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 times to go there. Even the winter. Even the winter, you can change where you go. If you're more interested in cultural things, um, going during the, the the warm season months is, is a good idea. You can go to Lahore. It's a the cultural capital. It has um, art museums. It has a lot of sort of the um, experience of being in um, you know a South Asian uh, you know street markets, the old city. Um, can wander around and and eat lots of chapati and things like um and just just experience um more of the the culture if you, if you want to go to the himalaya um you're better off going during during the warm season months the the karakoram the himalaya and the hindu kush kush what month were you there i was there in august um i i think sep- september might be really ideal um you get you would get there just after the threats of significant rain, uh, temperatures cool off a little bit. Uh, June would be really nice as well when some of the mountains have a little bit more snow on them and look a little bit more attractive. Um, but one of the one of the crazy things about Pakistan in, in the northern parts of the country is if if you go off the main roads, these these little roads are really 
incredibly engineered, um, largely by hand, but they're just on these angle of repose slopes with that are constantly in motion. There's there there's constantly rockfall, uh, even on a sunny day, but it's worse if it rains. Um, so I think I think actually probably the biggest danger is these roads, more so than uh, any threats of terrorism. You know, the government will keep you out of areas that they don't want you to be in. There are plenty of checkpoints. So so really kind of coming up, thinking about your your level of comfort with some of these roads. Um, the, the other thing that was a major surprise I, I should mention about Pakistan is just how separated um, males and females are in people's homes. In South Asia, in a rural area, I could just walk into a village and somebody would invite me into, the, into their homes. In Pakistan, you needed to have a house that was big enough where the men could cloister their women and uh, keep them out of, out of sight. And um, there were a few awkward moments when I wanted to send a uh, Delorme inReach, a satellite message to let my friends and family know where I was. And sometimes I needed a clear view of the sky, so I demanded to go into the courtyard. And in those moments, I might encounter a female in the house, and it, there, there was there was some friction. And I, it took me a couple of weeks to figure out what was actually going on. Um, and I started talking with a lot of men about this because effectively I wasn't able to communicate with most women in the country. I only, I only had real conversations with about three women three women in my entire uh, 28 days. Um, and those were brief conversations, mostly in uh, less conservative parts of the country. So um, that, that, was, that was challenging. I, I felt like I, I had a, a one-sided view of the country um, um, because although I did stay in a few homes, I really didn't get to, to experience the culture in as deep a way as I, I might've experienced it in India or in Nepal. So that was one challenge. And I think, um, I think women may have a chance of actually bridging that gap um, because I think they would be led into the lives of the females. And I don't think that the men would be prevented from interacting with them. I don't know how it would be as a, as a, as a solo female um, or as a couple, but uh, being, being a couple, you have potentially some advantages of, some security of having a male present, um, but also maybe some in, inroads towards interacting with with women in that culture. And I, you know, I do think cultures will the culture will gradually change because the women have access to smartphones. They're um, satellite TV. In some cases, yeah. So what I, do you mean? In some cases, they don't have satellite TV in a lot of places. I think they have it in a lot of places. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, that's a huge cultural change yeah. machine. I mean, that yeah. thing, satellite TV is just like revolutionary to the way how it impacts and infects cultures. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I just, I wasn't in that many homes. So I just, mm. that's why I say in some cases, because I just don't, I, I don't know what was actually in a lot of people's homes. Mm. Um, and I, I think, did you travel with a guide? Uh, did you have like a like a it wasn't a tour or did you have like a private guide the whole time with a four by four or something? Or no, I I take buses. I, I was taking public transportation. 
I, um, I had a connection to somebody in Peshawar um, who quasi-hosted me uh, for a night. Um, and, um, and, and he was the one who drove me to, the, to Khyber Pass. Then after having a lot of failures in Chitral and getting out, outside and really um, hiking to the places I wanted to go, I decided um, to open myself up to having uh, a guide. Um, and I, I had another connection um, through my cousin's journalist friend, um, and th this connection set me up with a local guide. He was um, a young a young guy named Safdar. Um, yeah, he's a great guy in Hopar. Um, and he was the one who, um, yeah, we did we did that rush like trek together, and uh, he inspired a lot of confidence. He, um, you know, we were in trail running shoes. I was in trail running shoes, and he was in boots. But he got me across some pretty sketchy crevasses on on glaciers and. Um, so I, d I decided to, um, to go with him for, yeah, we, we spent about 10, 10 days together in, uh, Gilgit Baltistan and that, that got me past most of the red tape. That's awesome. Wonderful. Um, final question, uh, future of Pakistan, any ideas? What, what really struck me was looking at the GDP growth over the last, 50 or 60 years in Pakistan, it's really on an upward tra trajectory. I think the future is bright for Pakistan. The population, um, it's it's going to be one of the, it is one of the larger countries countries in the world, world already with population and its, its share of the pie is expanding. Um, people are in, generally industrious, I think, um, the, the next big step is, is women entering the work, the workforce and, you know, how, how quickly it really enters the big time, I think will, will depend on how quickly it opens up to allowing women to, to become more productive m members of society. But for now, the, the growth rate is still quite high, which tends to push them in the direction of women mostly staying at home. Excellent. Well, let me know what your future plans are. Uh, what do you plan to go to next? Probably Latin America, actually. There's a decent chance or, or potentially um, some of the uh, the Caucasus areas. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, you can get cotton avalanches in either one of those places. Absolutely. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> thanks again. It. <laughs> thanks, Francis. Right. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. 
This is Francis Tabon, encouraging you to wander and learn.